In the summer of 1940, the artist Frida Kahlo found herself in something of a predicament. She was in jail. She had been arrested because the Mexico City police suspected her as an accomplice in the recent murder of Russian revolutionary-in-hiding Leon Trotsky. Trotsky had been on the run from Stalin since the late 20s, and after some country hopping, had found asylum in Mexico. Three months after a botched assassination attempt that saw the Trotsky house peppered with machine gun fire, a man calling himself Ramon Mercader entered the now tightly secured compound. He had managed to infiltrate the household through an affair with one of Trotsky's secretaries. And he arrived that hot August day with a raincoat tucked rather incongruously under his arm, and an article for Trotsky to review. Once inside the Russian study, he removed a mountaineering axe from under the raincoat and proceeded to bury it in Trotsky's skull. As the men grappled and tussled, guards rushed to the room and disarmed the attacker. Trotsky died in hospital the next day. Ramon went to jail for 20 years before returning to the Soviet Union a national hero. So why did the police suspect Frida Kahlo? You're listening to Kunst Please, a podcast about modern art. And this is a story about Frida and Leon. Frida Kahlo and her husband, the muralist Diego Rivera, were vocal supporters of Marxism and card-carrying members of the Mexican Communist Party. They were both heavily influenced by the Mexican Revolution in their work and proudly displayed their affection for the country's workers. In Rivera's 1928 mural, The Arsenal, Kahlo is depicted as an activist, wearing a shirt featuring a red star as she passes out weapons to workers beneath a flag emblazoned with the hammer and sickle. They were both champions of a post-revolutionary movement known as Mexicanidad, which called for the removal of all colonial influence throughout Mexico in favour of promoting indigenous culture. Carlo lived and breathed this ideology, expressing it deeply across her personal style, her art, and even her garden. Frida and Diego had followed the Russian Revolution with great interest, and both considered themselves Trotskyites, Trotsky having been a hero of the 1917 revolution and integral to Lenin's reign. After the death of Lenin, a power vacuum ensued, and when Joseph Stalin assumed leadership, the Trotskyites were banished, sent to the gulags, or worse. It was Rivera who convinced the Mexican president to offer Trotsky political asylum in Mexico. After several years in Turkey, France, and Norway, Trotsky and his wife Natalia Sadova boarded an oil tanker and docked in Tampico, Mexico, on January 9, 1937. Carlo and Rivera offered the Trotskys their second home, the now-famed Casa Azul, equipping it with guards, barricades, covered windows, and alarm systems to ensure their political hero's safety. Natalia recalled their trip fondly in a letter to friends. We were breathing purified air. A motor car carried us across fields of palms and cacti to the suburbs of Mexico City. A blue house, a patio filled with plants, airy rooms, collections of pre-Columbian art, paintings from all over, 
we were on a new planet in Rivera's house. Frida and Diego's infidelities are somewhat legendary, and it wasn't long after the Russian couple settled in that a romance developed between Carlo and Trotsky. Legend has it, the affair was in revenge on Frida's part for Diego's tryst with her sister. The flirtations around Trotsky's wife were blatant, but conducted in English, a language that Natalia didn't understand. Their clandestine meetings would take place at Carlo's sister's house, and Trotsky slipped love notes into books he lent her. However, by the time that Natalia discovered the affair and gave Leon an ultimatum, the romance had fizzled out. Friends would recall that long after Trotsky's assassination, Carlo delighted in driving Rivera into a rage, humiliating him with the memory of her affair with the great communist. They would remain friends after the split, though, with Carlo gifting Trotsky a rather sensual self-portrait on his birthday and the anniversary of the Russian Revolution. In it, she depicts herself cradling a small but bursting bouquet while holding a letter that reads, To Leon Trotsky, with all my love, I dedicate this painting on the 7th of November 1937, Frida Carlo, in St. Angel, Mexico. Trotsky displayed the portrait in his office, and when our old friend the surrealist André Breton visited in 1938, he too fell for the piece. Later gushing, I have for long admired the self-portrait by Frida Kahlo that hangs on the wall of Trotsky's study. She has painted herself in a robe of wings gilded with butterflies, and it is exactly in this guise that she draws aside the mental curtain. He continued in his typically misogynistic fashion, We are privileged to be present, as in the most glorious days of German romanticism, at the entry of a young woman endowed with all the gifts of seduction, one accustomed to the society of men of genius. Despite this intimacy, as the years went by, Trotsky's supporter base began to dwindle. Even Carlo and Rivera moved on. Trotsky derided Rivera for his approach to politics, but found no favour with Carlo, who supported her husband's political thinking. In May 1940, the Mexican painter David Alfaro Siqueiros was unsuccessful in his assassination attempt of Trotsky. Diego Rivera was initially a suspect in this case, but when Ramon Mercader finished the job, it was Frida who ended up in a cell. She had met Mercader in Paris the previous year. Even after the disappointing affair, the violence, and a short stint in jail, Carlo continued to mix politics with her art, even ramping up her references and support of communism in the final decade of her life. She painted a hammer and sickle on one of the orthopaedic corsets that supported her increasingly weak back, and in a diary entry from 1951, she agonised that her failing health might restrict her from fighting the cause. I want to turn my work into something useful, until now, I have managed simply an honest expression of my own self, but one which is unfortunately a long way from serving the party. I must struggle with all my strength to ensure that the little positive that my health allows me to do also benefits the revolution, the only reason to live. In 1954, she painted her most pointedly political work, Marxism Will Give Health to the Sick. Its original title was longer-winded, Peace on Earth so that the Marxist science may save the sick and those oppressed by criminal Yankee capitalism. The piece links her physical suffering with her allegiance to communism. At the centre of the composition, she is depicted holding a red Marxist book, while large hands embrace and support her corset-sheathed body. 
On one side of the painting, a dove, the universal symbol of peace hovering above planet Earth. On the other side, a depiction of Karl Marx himself strangling a monstrous Uncle Sam slash eagle hybrid. The messaging couldn't be more explicit. If Marxism can heal Carlo, it can heal the world. And there it is, the Carlo and Trotsky affair. Kunstpleas was created and produced by Jonathan Heath, that's me. Please follow the gallery space on Instagram, at Kunstpleas. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the experience, please share with your friends, comment, review, and subscribe, etc.